0: You're listening to Making Waves, fresh ideas in freshwater science. Making Waves is a bi-monthly podcast where we discuss new ideas in freshwater science and why they matter to you. Making Waves is brought to you with support by the Society for Freshwater Science, Arizona State University's School of Life Sciences, and the University of Washington School of Aquatic and Fisheries Sciences. This is Eric Moody with the Society for Freshwater Science podcast, Making Waves. Joining me on the phone is Carol Ann Woody, director and owner of Fisheries Research and Consulting in Anchorage, Alaska, and also a plenary speaker at the 2013 Society for Freshwater Science meeting in Jacksonville, Florida. Thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you, Eric.
0: So your research has focused on Alaskan salmon, with a particular focus on the area known as Bristol Bay. Most recently, your work has looked at the impacts of mining on salmon fisheries. So the first question I want to ask you is why is the salmon fishery in Bristol Bay so important?
1: So Bristol Bay, Alaska, is basically one of the world's most productive sockeye salmon and king salmon regions in the world. Over half the world's sockeye salmon comes from this area. Uh, It also supports the largest run of king salmon. So each year up to 40 million sockeye salmon return to spawn in rivers in this region and up to 200,000 king salmon also return to spawn. The region also supports healthy runs of pink, chum, and coho salmon.
0: So why is this region in particular doing so well as opposed to many other Pacific salmon fisheries which are not doing well at the moment?
1: Well, what's exceptional about this region is the area is pristine still. It has not been altered. And therefore, the rivers are not dammed. There's minimal development in the area. And so salmon are able to be salmon. And uh, (laughs) the habitats are healthy. The water's clean. And as a result, we have very highly productive salmon systems here.
0: But salmon are not the only resource people are interested in in Bristol Bay. There's also a proposed copper mine development in the region. How do you think that this will affect salmon fisheries? So
1: in this region, there are mineral resources, and the state of Alaska recently changed management of about almost 12 million acres from a fish and wildlife habitat priority to a mineral resource priority. And the state is working towards developing a mining district. To date, there's over 800 square miles that are claimed by leases, and there's a number of exploration groups that are busily exploring the area for mineral resources. There's one project that's closest to permitting, and it's called the Pebble, and it's estimated to be a 10.8 billion ton copper-gold deposit there's definitely potential that mineral development could occur in this region. And people are concerned because the type of mining that's proposed, open-pit mining, can be problematic because of potential water contamination, long-term storage and management of toxic waste, etc.
0: The fishery and the mine are conflicting natural resource interests. Both have economic and ecological costs as well as benefits. How can these conflicting interests be managed by resource managers in the region? The
1: concern here is basically the location of the mining district, the size of it, and also the type of deposits that are there. So where it's located is an area that has highly permeable alluvial soils so contaminants could move very easily through some of these permeable sand and gravel layers. Some of them are over 200 feet thick. In order to store waste from this type of mining, it's a porphyry copper deposit, which means that less than 1% of the 10.8 billion tons are minerals of value and the rest is waste. Mm. When they extract this, they usually create a large open pit and then they take the ore that has oh, a certain amount of minerals in it, and they crush that up, apply chemicals, and extract copper, gold, molybdenum, et cetera. But then the rest, the waste would be stored behind immense dams that would be made of earth on site, and those would have to be maintained into perpetuity. These would be very large waste storage reservoirs, and people are concerned about the risks that that presents for the future. Also storing such waste on these permeable alluvial soils raises the concern that toxic waste would filter down and enter the groundwater table. And groundwater is very, very important to salmon incubation over winter here. And so there's concern that groundwater resources could become contaminated and potentially impact fish that way.
0: Is there any reason why the proposed mine, being a copper mine in particular, is of a special concern to aquatic ecosystems and the health of salmon fisheries?
1: It's a copper mine, and copper is one of the most toxic elements to aquatic life. Mm -hmm. And development of a copper mine in this region, part of the reason it's probably not a compatible development relative to the salmon resources, the size, the type, and the location. And it's 10.8 billion tons, and then there's other mines around it, which is massive. And most of 99% of that will be waste that would have to be stored on site forever. And it's also a copper mine, which copper is one of the most toxic elements to aquatic life. I mean, we use copper sulfate to, to basically kill off algae and everything else in our little landscape ponds that you see in front of banks and things. So yeah. that's how the water stays so clean, yeah. is because they use copper sulfate to kill everything. And the uh, concern is that copper copper concentrations would increase in local waters and slight increases in copper concentrations can impair a salmon's ability to smell. And salmon use their sense of smell to locate predators, prey, to find mates, and to find their way home to the streams that they're adapted to. So there's definitely concern about the type of mine it is. And it's also an acid-generating mine, which means that when you open and expose the rock there to oxygen and water, you can basically create sulfuric acid, and that can dissolve metals and put them into solution.
0: So you don't see a way in which the mine and the fishery can coexist sustainably?
1: I've conducted a number of studies in this region. One of the studies we did was survey headwater streams in the mining district for salmon and we surveyed over 100 streams and we found salmon in three of every four of those streams. A recent study by the Environmental Protection Agency examining potential impacts of some mine scenarios indicated that if the pebble deposit were developed, say 0.25 billion tons to 6.5 billion ton mine, not even the full deposit, that up to 145 kilometers of streams would be eliminated, that up to 35 kilometers of salmon streams would be eliminated, over 20 percent of flows would be reduced in up to 54 kilometers, direct toxicity to fish would occur in up to 57 kilometers, direct toxicity to invertebrates in up to 83 kilometers, and up to 19 kilometers squared of wetlands would be lost roads would impact another two hundred and ninety kilometers so to develop this mine there would be elimination of salmon streams and alteration of water quality such that salmon would be impacted and the mining companies have proposed a number of mitigation techniques however a lot of the techniques are types that would not last into perpetuity. For example, adding logs and large boulders, bulldozing new spawning channels, establishing new ice fields to help support additional flow, or pumping water from downstream to upstream to keep an amount of clean water flowing into some of the streams that would be impacted. It's just that many of the mitigation techniques that have been proposed are such that they would not mitigate the lost renewable resource that is occurring there currently.
0: In your plenary presentation at the SFS meeting in Jacksonville, you quoted the CEO of the Pebble Limited Partnership, who is proposing to build the mine development, as saying there are no streams where the proposed project is located. However, you've surveyed this area and found lots of streams, including streams full of salmon. Is the lack of data in this region a particular challenge for you and your research?
1: Well, much of Alaska, over half of the streams and rivers in Alaska, have never been surveyed. And in the mine region, I was fortunately able to get um, support to go out and conduct stream surveys, just baseline surveys, of headwaters that would potentially be impacted from the Nature Conservancy. And so that helped support this work. Many of the studies that are being conducted are being conducted by consultants working for the mining companies, and issues relative to that data is that a lot of that data is considered proprietary and has not been released publicly. So there's a limited amount of information for this region. But we do know that the deposit, at least the pebble deposit, is directly underneath productive salmon habitat. We know it drains to two of the world's most productive salmon rivers, the Nushagak and Quijak. There's highly permeable soil so there's concern of contamination and that it's a seismically active region.
0: So what is the current status of the pebble mine development and how do you see things moving forward from here?
1: The Pebble Limited Partnership, they have not yet released a mine plan. They've indicated that they will be releasing one this year and that they will go in for permits which will trigger an environmental impact statement. They've been studying it since 2003, so 10 years, and they have said that they were going to be applying for permits. they put in for water permits, so they put in for almost all the water that's in a number of streams in the upper headwaters, also all the groundwater in those regions. What happened is tribes in the region asked the EPA to intervene on their behalf because they felt that the state of Alaska was not considering their concerns relative to development of pebble. And what the EPA did was last year they came out with a draft watershed assessment to examine what the risks to the salmon fishery and the people that rely on them, what the risks of development like this would be. So they came out with a second draft this year, and it's entitled An Assessment of Potential Mining Impacts on Salmon Ecosystems of Bristol Bay, Alaska. And they are the ones that came up with some of these estimates of how much habitat would be eliminated. So the EPA, basically their conclusion is, yes, development of these mines could wipe out salmon runs. And the concern is that The high diversity, the high biodiversity of the salmon stocks in that region, it's much like a diversified stock portfolio. So this diverse salmon stock portfolio is what helps sustain the system. And if you reduce that diversity, you increase the risk that you can destabilize the reliability of these runs and you would end up with more frequent fisheries closures if you reduce the biodiversity. So right now, it's basically sort of hanging, you know, waiting to find out what EPA might do.
0: I'd like to change gears a little bit and ask you a question about your own career. You did a Ph.D. at the University of Washington in Seattle and worked as a fisheries researcher at the United States Geological Survey until you recently decided to change gears, and become the director of your own consulting firm. What motivated you to make this change?
1: As a fisheries researcher with USGS, I was involved in providing input on mining projects and potential impacts to fisheries. And I became involved in identifying risks that Pebble presented to fisheries resources, primarily subsistence fisheries resources. There's 14 villages of Native Alaskans in the Nushagak and the Quijak drainages and these people rely on salmon for their subsistence. They live in very rural areas. They don't have grocery stores like we do. Right, right. And they rely on salmon for their food security. And I became involved in Pebble while I was with USGS and my job was to identify potential risks to the fisheries. And basically, things got a bit political, and I decided that I wanted to focus full-time on the pebble issue, and I also wanted to be able to present what I've observed as the risks to the public and also to people that could potentially be impacted by this type of development. So I resigned from USGS and started my own company. And so I've been consulting and working with tribes and uh, other people in the Bristol Bay region, and also just throughout the United States, helping educate people on potential risk from the pebble mine.
0: You moved from a government research agency to a private consulting firm. Do you feel like this gives you more of an opportunity to get involved with the broader concerns with this issue?
1: Yes. I think it's very, very important if development like this occurs in the Bristol Bay region, I think it's crucial that people understand what the trade-offs are. And I think they need to understand exactly what the risks are because I don't live out there. I don't rely on the fish and the clean water in that region for my subsistence and survival. However, there are lots and lots of people who do. There's one of the world's largest, most valuable commercial fisheries out there for salmon, worth $1.5 billion annually. Those folks rely on salmon and clean water for uh, their economic security. And the people in the villages rely on the fish for food security. And I wanted to make it very clear to people what the risks are because they're the ones who are going to influence the final decisions. And I wanted to make sure that they had the facts and that they were able to make good decisions relative to what the risks are.
0: So, if people who are listening to this podcast are interested in getting more involved or finding out more information about this issue. What should they do?
1: Well, I think it's important because, really, this is a national treasure. If you look at the status of salmon in the Pacific Northwest, the Pacific salmon, we've extirpated salmon from 40% of their historic habitats. There's populations that are left. About a third of those are endangered. I mean, salmon are not doing well. Fisheries suffer frequent closures. And here we have Bristol Bay, which is it's a national treasure, it's an extraordinary resource, all wild runs, there's lots we can learn from this area. I think it's important that people understand that, realize it, and also voice their opinions to the Environmental Protection Agency, to their legislators, because this is going to now become a political issue. The science is clear, the science is clear, we would be trading renewable wild salmon resources for a non-renewable mineral resource and a perpetual waste management problem. If a tailings dam failed, it could harm salmon and salmon habitat for decades, if not longer. So I think it's important that people let their legislators know, let the EPA know that what they think about Bristol Bay and Bristol Bay salmon and this type of development.
0: All right, thanks a lot for joining me.
1: Thank you very much, Eric.
0: Editor's note. In January of 2014, the EPA released their final assessment of the proposed pebble mine in Bristol Bay. In this report, they concluded that the project poses, quote, significant near- and long-term risk to salmon, wildlife, and native Alaskan cultures. You can read more about this report on the EPA's website. You've been listening to the Making Waves podcast, brought to you with support by the Society for Freshwater Science. For more information on this speaker, the Making Waves podcast, or the Society in general, please visit us on the web at the Society for Freshwater Science webpage. Tune in next time for another fresh idea in freshwater science.